Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Ryan Allen. Ryan has worked with clients such as Adidas, Levi's, Nike, Thrasher Magazine, and, and Vice, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Ryan about growing up in Canada, his early days of photography, starting and managing SBC Skateboard Magazine, as well as his experience photographing legendary skateboarders such as Jeff Riley and Dylan Reeder, to name a few. And I also speak to Ryan about his new collaboration. Uh, he made some custom camera bags with the brand Modular. It's called MDLR. Um, really cool camera bags, just really high-end and um, really good stuff. You can go to their website at mdlr-brand.com where you can see Ryan Allen's custom camera bags. Um, so definitely go check that out. Um, but other than that, I was just really excited to talk to Ryan. I've been following his work uh, since I was a kid, kind of growing up skateboarding. So really excited to hear everything he's been working on and whatnot. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Ryan Allen, we're here, man. How you doing? Oh, uh, dude, doing great. It's good to be here. We're uh, in L.A., where I don't <laughs> like to go too often, but uh, what I call home, essentially. Yeah, you, you, do you spend a lot of time up here shooting? Because you're down in like San Diego area. Yeah, I sleep in San Diego, but I work in LA. Damn, so you're just like driving. I drive a lot, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. All right, that's cool, man. And we're up here in the Monster Children office, a great magazine. Uh, shout out to them for letting us use their space to record here. Um, like you said, I was talking to you before we started recording here. You've been working with these guys for, for a while. Yeah, like 15 years, I think. We were trying to place uh, the other day the first photo that got run in Monster Children of Mine. And I think it was uh, this photo I shot, actually the famous um, Matt Hensley Ollie, that Dan Sturt shot. Oh, yeah. I shot a photo on that bridge as well, and no American magazines would touch it because it was like the Dan Sturt, Matt Hensley oh, bridge. Oh, true. It's like legendary. Yeah, it was like untouchable. So I uh, had a friend that was in the photo, and he was having an interview in Monster Children, and he was like, yo, let's give them that photo. That's cool. And they didn't have the same rules. So Yeah, so that's how you kind of connected with them pretty much? Yeah, yeah. And through that, I just started kind of being their, their Canadian slash American guy. Interesting. So I didn't realize you're Canadian. So yeah. That's where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up uh, like an hour outside of... Toronto, small town called Grimsby. Okay. Yeah, it's like pretty close to Niagara Falls. That's cool. What were you kind of interested in growing up? Was it always like photography and skateboarding pretty um, much? Yeah. I mean, my dad was a photographer just like casually, but he had all the gear and he would like make a lot of like weird family photos that were like based on scenes from movies or something. Oh, like, so he was like, he was into it. Oh yeah, he'd set it all up and he like taught me how to shoot slide film like at super young age. Wow. And he had like the raddest camera bag that like he had like made the inserts himself and like as a little kid like that gear stuff like got really hooked on that stuff and it really got me into photography and I was also like skating a lot. Was in a punk rock band. Like everything was just like kind of the right. You are monster children. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was like everything is, is the right thing. You know, I was a graffiti kid. I got kicked out of high school for graffiti, and like what one was of it, what was your, did you have a tagger name? I, it was Smudge. Smudge. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we go up to Toronto. We can see some smudges. Yeah, see some Smudge. <laughs> Thirty years later, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got kicked out of high school for it. And one of the coolest things they did it was a really small town like it was obvious that i was the graffiti kid okay yeah so graffiti on the school that meant it was me and that was a wrap everyone else was playing hockey <laughs> yeah it, i'm not even joking like driving like trans ams and oh they're called z28s in canada oh, wow that's <laughs> yeah funny. but um 
so yeah, that my principal of my school was like, listen, we know you did the graffiti. Um, you got, you can't be in school anymore. They hated me cause I was a skateboarder, snowboarder, all that stuff. And, uh, but what they proposed was that I could take that year to work on something towards college and they would give me my, my uh, diploma. So I was like, well, I'm going to be a photographer. And then I just like started working on a portfolio, but the school I, I wanted to go to is Sheridan college yeah. in Toronto. It's really big photo school still going. And, uh, their admissions thing was like, your portfolio can only be like a really small percentage of photography. And then it had to be like, art. Oh, so it was like an art, it, it was, was like an art a, school, very heavy art school. Like Disney built a studio right beside the school to just pull people. Really? Yeah. It's really pretty famous school. And so my, uh, my portfolio was like super trippy. Cause I was like in, I was raving at the time and like, oh, really? so my, my portfolio <laughs> for college was like weird sculptural video work and like the odd photo and paintings. And it was just, my parents were tripping on then me. It's like elect- electronic music. Yeah. Like there was, literally was like palace in one of their last videos used the song that I used in my college admissions video. And I just laughed really hard when I heard that. I think the only way I got into like, I, I was never like a huge into it, but I started hearing electronic music was from all the trans videos. Cause yeah, Ty, yeah, Ty, Ty, he yeah. was all electronic yep. shit. And it was, it was pretty dope. Like looking back on it, but in the early nineties, skateboarding was super connected to the rave culture. Like right. birdhouse had a video called ravers. Oh yeah. And there was like a ton of like connections. I'd see all my skate friends at the raves and like, they'd have skate parks in there and stuff. I mean, it, it sounds corny now, but that shit was fun. Hell yeah, dude. You're so the friends it's like yeah out. and you know the town i grew up in just like you said was a hockey town and like the nfl and the nhl would draft from my town and like everybody was the dream of being an nhl guy and i was a did you play hockey growing up at all? couldn't my ankles just go oh really buckle yeah i'm terrible at it <laughs> so for me it was like going to the city and going to raves and seeing like this whole other culture yeah and now they're talking about how much like mdma and drugs and stuff like change your Neural pathways to like not being like because I was kind of a violent kid that would have to fight the hockey guys all the time and stuff. Why did you feel like you had like aggression or? Oh yeah, yeah, for, you, fully. It was like mad. Yeah, just mad kid in That's a small funny, town. That's funny because like talking to you now, like you seem like pretty chill. It, it's it's I, it's still in there sometimes. Okay. If, if someone crosses a family member or something, but. Brian holds his own fuck. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so the the rave scene like it did open me up to like, well, you don't have to fight your way out of everything. And like, it changed a lot for me as cheesy as it sounds. Nah, that's interesting, man. Like what do your parents do for a living? Like what? So my dad was a steel worker. He worked at Stelco. It's a pretty big steel company in Canada. We we're really close to this town called Hamilton and it's basically the like Pittsburgh or Cleveland of Canada. Mm. So it's just a rust, rust belt steel town. So my dad was like shift worker. He would work like, 12 hour shifts, like sometimes at night, sometimes in the day. Yeah. And so when he was home, he would make the best of it. And he was a big kid. He's still alive. I don't know what I'm saying was. Yeah. He's a big kid and, and oftentimes like would really push my skateboarding and like he built a half pipe in our barn wow, for awesome. us. So he was real supportive. Oh, super supportive. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, if this is what you're going to do, then, then do it. That's and, badass, know? man. Yeah. yeah it did, was really cool. Did you have like a lot of siblings or anything? Or? I have uh, three brothers. Two skated, one still kind of skates. Yeah, yeah. And and my old my older brother was just the full on rocker. Who's who's the best skateboarder? Uh, it's tough. My my brother, I think he looks better on a skateboard. Yeah, he's just got the style. Yeah, Chris has the style. I, I think I could do more tricks, but I don't do them well. Damn, that's cool though, man. That must have been cool, like growing up skating with your brothers and stuff. Would you? Guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I, my parents would get bummed on me because I I kind of taught with an iron fist, you know. Oh really? Because it's like I could see the potential in my so brother. You were, the, you were the oldest brother. I'm. My, I have one older brother, but he had like he was already like 
done. And skateboarding time, he was already off. And yeah, like yeah, being yeah. a heavy metal guy and yeah, like yeah. partying. That's my little bro. You're pushing Mongo, man. Oh, dude, I, all this stuff. Like, I wouldn't let him do tricks a certain way. And it, 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 every time in the sessions would end up in him crying or Your something. Shit's whack. Yeah, it was, I was the worst. Yeah, you know? older brother syndrome. Um, like, how old were you when you kind of first picked up a board? The thing is, I have no recollection of not having okay. a skateboard. Like, I can remember my parents taking us to a Snake Run skate park in upstate New York, and it had to have been the '70s. Okay. Like maybe uh, Darien Lake, I think it was. Oh, like so this, near like Rochester and stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. I, I used to go to, to Rochester to Samurai Skates. Like I fucking love. I like. I kind of love some of those Rust Belt, Rust Belt towns. Yeah, like, they're so cool. People shit on them, but they actually have like Rochester. Like the art scene up there is so awesome because they're just like off on their own. Yeah, shit. they're doing their own thing. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah, so we used to. My parents would take me to. So I can I don't have a memory of not having a skateboard. That's dope. But the way it really like happened was um we did a trip to florida as a family my dad, we had an rv we did the whole rv family thing hell yeah how'd, we that, drove, how'd, that, how'd that go i did that with my family too it was good we, for about three we days did, <laughs> we did it every summer it was like a thing it was it was good with us yeah sorry that yours wasn't so good <laughs> no nah, it was good but you know like you're you're crammed in there by like, by yeah. day four, you're we, like we had a giant winnebago oh that's dope my dad bought it during the uh gas crisis in the 70s for like next to nothing yeah and then would rent it out and he made all his money back on it damn so, so like your dad's is like sounds like one of those dudes he's like get shit done yeah like, yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah he taught me his my work ethic comes from him absolutely that's dope but uh so we went to florida and i was kind of bmxing then okay and i went into like a a town and country surf shop or Ron John's or something down in Florida. And they had a video called curb dogs that had BMX and skate. Interesting. And I watched it and I got super into like, they were acid dropping off bikes. And so I came back to Canada and my friend had a BMX or a skateboard. Sorry. And I took my bike over to his house. And by the end of the session, I like traded him. Really? I was like, I want your skateboard. You you can have my bike. (laughs) And then it just kind of was never, that was it. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember being into BMX too. I, I had like a Dino VFR, and that was the fucking jam. Yeah, like that dude Matt Hoffman and yep, shit. Yep. I used to get, what was the BMX magazine? It was like BMX Plus. Yeah, dude. Yep. And you'd like look in the back, and you'd like it had like a little catalog to see what like yep. bikes you want to oh, buy dude. and shit. It was like the Bible back then. It is interesting. I wonder. I don't. I don't know if kids like can even understand what that is anymore. Like the feeling of getting like a BMX plus or a thrasher in the mail yeah. or a CCS catalog or like, I, uh, yeah, I, I bought, a, I bought a board from CCS. Uh, when I, I think I'm actually my first, my first like real complete, like I had like an older board I got from a friend and then I bought like a alien workshop. I had like the, I had alien workshop, uh was it thunder trucks or no, no b52 trackers wow yeah dude. i'm sorry <laughs> i think i was just like yo tony hawk skates trackers yep, i'm gonna yep. fucking get those so many kids got suckered by tony <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's brutal uh do you remember the first board you had yeah um i mean i had like a lot of crappy veriflexes and things like that mm-hmm. first one i remember buying was a miami vice uh Oh, what was it? it was like a DDC or something like that. Square tail? Or? Yeah, it was square, but it had like the, the grind tail yeah, thing yeah, on the yeah, back. Yeah. It had lappers. Like it had everything. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> but then um, I had friends that would go down to Florida all the time. Florida was kind of the connect for skateboarding for us on the East Coast, like for Toronto and stuff. Yeah. So he came back with a bunch of boards and I bought a Vision Aggressor off him. And then I remember after that, I was like, okay, I have to buy Vision boards and made my parents drive like an hour to the only skate shop that I knew of. Oh, really? In Toronto, like on the far side of Toronto, and uh, got a um, Vision Psycho Stick. Nice. Which is that crazy graphic, like the 80s, kind of famous 80s graphic. Yeah. But in like Grimsby, where I was, 
so cut off from everything. Like you'd have a graphic, like a board for years. Like you couldn't go get another one really quick. So like I can remember gluing and like putting my boards back together. Interesting. Yeah. It's not like it is now. Yeah. Cause like, what was the skate scene like? Or you like, did you have friends who skated or? I had friends that would like come in and out. Yeah. Like they would skate for a little bit and they then they would like get into partying or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like there was a few friends of mine that we just kind of kept it going and we had my half pipe in my barn. So that kind of kept the scene going there. Oh damn. You had it in a barn. So yeah. It was in, in a barn. Winter? Yeah. Yeah. We could skate in the winter. It was cold as hell. Cause there was no insulation in there. But, yeah. but you know about this, like when you fall and slap your hell hand yeah. in the cold and it feels <laughs> like it's shattered. Yeah, man. Yeah. That sort brutal. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so when did like photography come in the mix? Was it like in high school or like, no, it was even before that. Like, because my dad had all the camera equipment and we had the half pipe in the barn. I'm like, I'm going to learn to like shoot photos of my friends and then same thing, give my camera to my friends and shoot photos of me. Cause you know, I wanted to get sponsored. I wanted all this stuff to happen. Yeah, man, so everyone. I was like stealing my dad's camera and shooting like E6, like slide film. Yeah. Cause that's all he used. And uh, there was a company called Blacks in Canada. It was like a chain photo store, kind of like Wolf. Yeah. And you could buy like prepaid E6 film. And then just so I could take it from him, go to the store. And because he had pre-bought it, I don't have to pay. Oh, so it's like when you buy the film, it's You're paying for everything. Wow. Processing and everything right off the bat. Damn, that's fucking awesome. So I would steal his rolls and shoot skate photos. <laughs> what was he shooting, like Kodachrome or something? It, but I don't, I don't even know. It just had Blacks on it. Oh, But it was E6. Shit. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I, it, it kind of feels now like it was Fuji because it was cooler colors. Got it. I fully remember thinking that everything kind of is green, greenish you still got some, Do you still got some of those early photos you shot? They're at my parents' house, yeah. I don't think I've ever thrown away anything. See, I, I, I'm absolutely the opposite. I have I, lost so much stuff. See, I wish I could be like that because I just have like, I said boxes of like terrible photos because <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, like when you were starting off on Chrome and you have to like the learning curve it takes so much longer because you got to shoot it you got to process it and then the the internet wasn't a thing it wasn't like there's youtube no and there was also a culture of like not sharing info i think grant britain was like the only person that would like share yeah anytime i used to email that guy when i was kidding he'd always like and he write you like detailed emails like this is how you do it like because it was in his best interest for i mean he's a great guy so for sure that but it was also in his best interest to cultivate a scene right and get kids sending in good photos true i didn't think about like that but like i can remember back in the day like asking photographers like how do you do this how do you do and they were like nah yeah that's my technique that's like a weird thing in skateboarding. Like, you know how people like, they'll have like a good spot and yeah, like, they don't give it up. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, can, I get I mean, it. Uh, there are certain people that it's almost, that's what they do is find spots. Yeah. You know they I mean? have like their book. Like. Yeah. And that's almost more than that. They're a filmer, that they're a photographer. It's more that they're the spot finding person. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've had moments where I found stuff and I've held it until I got a photo. Yeah. And then I, I don't care after that, you know? Yeah. You can only stop it for so long. Nah, for sure. So like you're shooting photos and just trying to figure it out. Like once you got out of high school, um, I know you mentioned the art school. Did you end up going there? Or like what yeah, was- yeah. I did uh, two years at uh, Sheridan College for, I guess it's called applied photography, okay. but it was super commercial. Like everything was uh, like, How they would you- seriously spend six months on like, here's a, a cube, a sphere and a cone in the studio get it to where you get the everything to disappear and yeah lighting ratios and like okay half of it is like in have i spent so much time in the studio learning all that stuff yeah but i mean it's good now but i was doing all that on film and it was it was intense yeah what do you feel like that like experience was like beneficial going to art school did like did you enjoy it while you're there oh absolutely 
I miss that culture of like having people around that you can like rap out with and be like, that's why I started this shit, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like conversations don't happen as much. I mean, people can talk on the internet and kids ask questions about photos all the time, Yeah, but like really like in the studio with like 40 people hashing it out is so rad or in the dark room, you know, go like I would drive to school in the morning in the dark, go into the dark room. It's still dark outside and come out. And it was dark again, and the whole day had passed, you know? Yeah, man. Like, with my friends, we're having fun, and like, Got your it was dark so room good. Homies. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's funny, in college, uh, one of my professors told me that I should consider going to be a darkroom tech. Okay. Because I was super nerdy about it. I had all my own tools that I made for dodging oh, and burning and everything. <laughs> but I think about it now, and like, that advice would have probably fucked me. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even know what the fuck you'd be doing. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. They had that in my school. Like, they don't have it anymore, but when I started, they had, uh, you could major in, like, how to, like, run a real photo lab. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty dope. Like, at my school in the basement, they they set it up like it was, like, a real professional lab, like, oh, cool. all the color checking. So, but, yeah, yeah now it's Did all... Did you ever do color printing? Oh, yeah, C41. Yeah. Yeah, black and white. Um, I, it I, smells. It's, like, the... the chemical smell from color printing oh, yeah, did my head in yeah it's it really bad i think some of those guys who spent like decades doing it probably have health problems you oh know? yeah it's absolutely fucking brutal um but what kind of stuff were you shooting while you're in school like obviously you're, you you started off shooting like skating with your friends but were you kind of like studying other type of photography and things like that well like like i said like i was a graffiti kid growing yeah. up and skating and playing in music so all those things kind of were like factoring into what i was shooting mm-hmm. and then you know this from being on the east coast but like winters are brutal so i spent a lot of time um watching tv in the winter and there was a show in canada called fashion television called ft yeah and they would profile photographers interesting and i can remember like from a young age like tripping on those dudes like what was it like wildlife photographers no it was like full-on like david la chapelle oh and, like, shit like mario sorrenti like big dudes damn or, or women as well like women yeah. photographers yeah. and they like would go like behind the scenes with them and it was like the first glimpse of behind the scenes stuff that i'd ever seen yeah and i was like this looks so rad and it was at a time back then when like photographers kind of did it all like yeah. you were saying like there, there would be like a fashion guy that's like next week he's out in the jungle shooting something you and know he's and doing, like, like annual reports for like some business yeah yeah shit. it just jumped around yeah. and it looked really interesting and cool so like that was in my head was like yo i'm just gonna do it all like yeah. I'm going to shoot fashion. I'm going to shoot skateboarding. I'm going to shoot whatever comes my way, you know, yeah. I, like music photos, band photos, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Who were some like your, were there like any influences early on, early on or who were some like your favorite photographers? I mean, I don't know when I found Avedon, but once I found Avedon, it was like, that was a wrap. I can like, see that in your work too. Cause it's like, yeah. I get stuck on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I was obsessed like yeah. from just the like ability to take like a white backdrop and a person and make something super like connecting. Yeah. I was like, like really tripped out by yeah, that you have a favorite avadon photo i have one that's like my favorite um the dude with the bees yeah, probably my wife hates it she has a textural thing that she can't certain I, textures I make that, her crazy yeah it's kind of gross like, so yeah. we have that i have like a book with those and that's the cover yeah and i have to put it like upside down on our coffee table because that that photo like was that was her. that one from the american west was that in that one or no i forget that might have been a different series i think that's a different series i could yeah. be wrong i forget well i have one that's like a fold out yeah and it's like all these portraits i think it's I don't think it's the American West one though. Yeah, I, I'm really bad with book titles. Nah, me too. Because he has so many. My yeah. favorite, he shot this guy. He's like uh, this director. I think his name's like John Ford. It's like this old guy with like glasses, and he has like a fucking eye. Oh, patch. the eye patch. That's like the, yeah. that's like my favorite portrait of all yeah, time. Yeah, his wrinkles are so insane because yeah. they're really deep. And yeah, like, the blacks just go. Yeah. And then like seeing a documentary on his, like just how he tr- handled darkroom text and stuff is so gnarly. Why like, was he pretty? Brutal? He was harsh. Yeah, yeah, like. 
he would get his work printed like the size of this table and like draw on it and be like, no, and like shredding them and yelling, like kind of berating the dudes. And like, he was kind of known as like the dark room asshole. Yeah. But that's how you get those like big eight by 10 prints to look amazing. For sure. Um, you feel like coming up, like shooting film, like, do you think it was like good going through that process? I guess you don't really know. Cause like, I always wonder. all I ever knew. <laughs> yeah. That's how I think. I'm like, it must be weird. Like kids who like, like, because when I have these conversations with the people and they're like, oh, I've never shot film. And to me, it's like, oh, that just seems weird. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could fully, like, have a bustling career and never have touched a film camera. Because, like, even yourself, like, you shoot digital sometimes. Like, I find it, I get sloppy and I, like. Yeah. I, someone, I, I, I forget who it was, but I heard a quote. I'll, I'm just going to, like, yeah, butcher yeah, yeah. it. But basically, they said, like, the problem with digital is you look at the back of the camera, you see something, yep. and you go, okay, and you move on. Yep. But with film, you're like scared. Like I have to like, okay, is it right? 10 more photos. I got to like dial the lights yeah. in a little better. And is like, the film four by five is the film loaded correctly. Yeah. Is like all these things in. to keep you in. Yeah. Whereas digital, like I've done it. I've, I've been at a skate spot and I'm stressed out because there's like a security guard or whatever. And I just look at the back of the camera and I'm like, yes, there's a picture. Let's get out of here. It's pretty insane now. Like honestly, you can be like three, four stops under or over yeah. and you can bring it back. Yeah. You can pull it back. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> I remember when I first got a digital back, like, for the this company I worked at back in the day and like just doing tests, like I'm just going to shoot a black photo and see what's in there. Yeah. Like s- someone in the studio, you'll get, and some. you could pull it back up. And I'm like, Oh my God. And this is like 2005. Wow. And I was like, Holy shit. Like you don't even have to know what you're doing anymore. Yeah. Now it's bonkers, man. <laughs> um, so like when you get out of school, like was it always your goal? Cause I know you end up like shooting a lot of skating and stuff and you work for some, I think like Gravis and I think Circa, right? Yep. Was it like, was it like your dream to like work for skate magazines and things like that or it's I've had this maybe it came from my dad's work ethic but I had I must I have a hard time with freelance I've always pulled in a job yeah. to like cover me on stuff yeah. so actually in the last year of college there was a Canadian skateboarding magazine called um, Vehicle okay and they were owned by Limited Snowboards it was kind of a pretty well known magazine and they asked me to come on like part time Okay. And I could still probably have finished school, but I was like, I went to my professors and I'm like, yo, what's like a portfolio is good. Right. I don't need to have a diploma to get a job. Right. You don't. And they're like, no, no one's ever going to ask you for that. And and the cool thing about Sheridan was every professor was a work, still working professional. Okay. So these people weren't like just professors. They were like, when they go home, they're back in the studio. They're hustling. hustling. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, no, no one's ever going to ask you. So I was like, okay, peace. (laughs) And like went and worked for the skate magazine right away and Mm -hmm. started doing like ad layouts and like getting my fingers into like design and how to make a magazine. Did did you know about graphic design at all before? Only like like that kind of skateboard mentality of like, I've got to figure this out because I want to make things like drawers ads and I want to do these things, you know? Because how were they laying it out back then? Was like uh, um, Quarks Express. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, in college last year was Photoshop 1 came out. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And we had things called SyQuest drives to store things on. Really? And like a bang in SyQuest drive was maybe five megabytes. <laughs> and it was about this big and it was like a physical tape yeah. thing. Like it looked like a giant cassette. Yeah. It's wild how people think about it now. It's not even that long ago, which is crazy. No, no. I, I trip out that like it seems like yesterday to me, but there's like full working professionals that have no idea what that shit is. Nah, yo, <laughs> I saw my friend. I was on set uh, a couple weeks ago. The new Sandisk, like you can get like literally two terabytes. It's the size of a credit card. It's wild, man. That's awesome. Though. Yeah, That'd be so good. No, it's sick. Yeah. Uh, um, so you're working at the Skate Magazine. So you're like shooting and then designing, designing it, and like. Uh, what do you kind of remember most about those days? Was it, were you kind of 
this kind of shooting your friends that were in your skate crew? Or? Yeah, like I was sort of in between Grimsby, the little town I grew up in, and Toronto at this point, and kind of going back and forth. And Toronto had like real pros, like Bill Weiss, Justin Bokma, like real pro skaters. So I was like trying to get in with those guys and yeah. shoot with them. But one of my buddies that I went to college with, Derek Catella, he was kind of, he had a hold on the skate scene there because he was already published in Transworld and stuff, okay. like while we were in college. Yep. So I ended up like going like, okay, I'm going to shoot my homies. And I just got really lucky that one of my like little kids that skated the skate park with me all the time was Mark Appleyard. And Damn. he like was blowing up. And at the same time this is happening, I'm out shooting with him a bunch and, you know, just my friends. Um, that magazine that I was working for went out of business. Okay. They, they boxed it up and said, we're done with this. Yep. And so I was just like kind of floundering, making zines with like friends and stuff and just kind of working odd jobs and shooting. And I was in a band that was fairly successful. So we were like putting a lot of focus on music and stuff like that. And I was like kind of not skating as much, not shooting as much. Were you guys like touring and stuff? Yeah, or? yeah, we were touring. We had music videos, the whole thing. Like Mostly we like Canada it. or are you going to US too? We were doing some US, like we did Boston and like we would do like all the like kind of coastal, I mean, okay. uh, border towns, yep. all the way to like Olympia, Washington. And Damn. Yeah, we toured a lot. What did, what did you play? I played guitar. Okay. I was one of those punk rock guitar players that could only play with that band, I can't play guitar to save my life. <laughs> yeah. But like with that band, I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a really fun time. Yeah. So I'm touring with them and this zine slash sort of regional magazine approached me about being their editor because I would go into the magazine to give them photos and I would just kind of rip everything to shreds. I'd be like, yo, what is this, this is garbage? Like, <laughs> I, I have a problem with filters sometimes. I thought Canadians were nice, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I live here now. <laughs> I got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, yo, you want to just be the editor? Like, we'll let you take it over. So I was telling my friend who was from that previous magazine, he was the managing editor, and he had just signed on with um, Snowboard Canada, which is like a pretty big magazine. Was oh, that SBC? Is that yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. So I'll get to that part. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yo, I work with this, this snowboard publisher. They have wakeboarding, or not wakeboarding, uh, windsurfing magazines, and a sur uh, sorry, a snowboard magazine. Yep maybe you should pitch this thing instead of going to work for that magazine. Why don't you come in, make a pitch to the publisher. I'll push you along and say like, you know, I, I back him, not knowing how to do this shit at all, yeah. like be a magazine guy. And so I went in with a little proposal and they're like, yeah, like, let's do it. We'll just do like a regional Ontario magazine just for like shops around Toronto. Wow. And so their sales team like took my brief, built it out a little bit more and within like two weeks, it was a national full color, like 200 page magazine because the ads. What was it called? It's called SBC. Oh, that's, oh shit. That's what it was called. Yep. Is it still going? Um, it died for like two years and a new company just bought it. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Because you think here, like I never thought Transworld would go out of stock. Yeah. It seems untouchable, right? Like I just didn't see it happening. And that's why do you think it's been able to survive up there? Because it's like. So that's kind of the same thing as why it like got big really quick yeah. was that the way Canadian distributors work with the companies is they are given a budget and they need to have a place to put those things. Yeah. And there was like one magazine that was owned by a distributor on the West coast. So that one was super biased Yeah. because they would only really promote their people that skate for the brands that they are affiliated with. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that I started SBC was, um, 
I had Apple Yard on the East Coast. I was watching him get super good, yeah. and I couldn't get his photos in the West Coast magazines because they were like, yo, he doesn't ride for this brand, this brand, this brand. We don't have any reason to publish him. That's the frustrating thing about skateboarding photography is like you could have the dopest photo. It could be so sick, composition, lighting, whatever. But if it's not the hot dude, they don't care. Don't, or the right sponsors. Yeah. Like that's if they don't have the people that are paying for ads. And that's very unique to like to skateboarding, I think, because like a lot of other mag like. If I go show my portfolio to like the Wall Street Journal or something, they don't, unless I guess you're shooting entertainment, but more so they just want to see quality work, yeah, I think, the and work. then they'll hire you to do something else. Yeah. yeah. And that was really frustrating for me. Yeah. So that was part of the thing I put in the, de in the deck, like the, the pitch was, this is going to be the only non-biased magazine in Canada. Mm. And that gave all the other distributors an opportunity to come in. Yeah. And then it took off really fast. I was thrown in front of one of those crazy purple looking IMAX. Damn. Like, remember the crazy colored ones? That yeah, are clear yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they were like, here you go. Like, you know how to do this? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, and it became really massive. And I worked there for like three years. And it was rad because I met everybody in skateboarding. I got to talk to all, like everybody that I looked up to on the phone and set up photo shoots and get things Damn. sent in. And my whole thing with that magazine was like, I wanted to elevate like skate portraiture and all yeah. that stuff because at the time, I mean, it's kind of how it's in trend right now, but a lot of the skate portraits were just on the scene. Like, okay, you just did the gnarly trick. Boom. There's your portrait. It's all going in the yeah, magazine. Like if, you, if you look at like the old, like trans world, like checkouts and stuff, like where yeah. they'd have the one photo and the, the portrait would just be like almost this like three feet away from where the yeah <laughs> just, well, it, was, it would almost be like back in the, it almost felt like an iphone photo or something yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like there was good. no concept it was just an after effect yeah, yeah yeah so i was like because i grew up watching that fashion television i went to like you know photo school i was like let's put a lot into the and we'll do opening spreads of someone that's yeah. a portrait yeah not like a skate photo or yep and i i got a lot of heat over the years like from yeah, like, like skaters were like, oh, dude, I'd have, I had like one, this kid, uh, Galia Mamalu, super oh, rad skater. Ill, yeah. Dude. And so I was like, yo, Galia, let's do a photo with like your shirt off, yeah. like flexing, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. just like this, like, Get the chain I was really inspired by, um, that Tupac photo by, um, Oh, Danny Clinch. Yeah. Danny Clinch. I yeah. love Danny Clinch. Yeah. He's great. So I had that like on the wall in the office. I'm like, yo, let's do something like this, like four by five. We'll do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then he got so much heat for like having his shirt off in a magazine. And like skateboarders did, just were not ready. Did for he get bummed on you on it or did he not? No, he was just like, dude, like I'm getting clowned. And I'm like, yeah, but at least your people are talking about it. Exactly. Like, yeah. Otherwise your headshot just. They're just jealous they didn't get in the mag. Eh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> politics of magazines too is, is killer. Like everyone would get so bummed. Like suddenly my friends would be mad at me because they didn't get the cover or yeah. whatever. It got difficult really quick. Yeah. Yeah, skateboarding, skateboarding is a weird, uh, it's awesome, but yeah, it can get very like clicky and like... Yeah, well, it's a bunch of friends working yeah, together yeah. and then egos mess things up real quick. Oh Yeah, Canada, I always loved looking at, the, I always looked at SBC and it was just interesting seeing like each like, each like click, like you had like the Vancouver dudes, yep. like Alex Chalmers yep. and like, yep. like Moses, I can't yeah, Moses at Conan, yeah. McCrank. And everyone always would seem to be sponsored by DC in Canada. Somehow. Yeah. DC had a good grip on Canada Yeah, because that's like an example of their Canadian, they, they have connections to Canada, right? Cause like Colin McKay, McKay yeah. is Canadian. Yep. And one of the founding people on DC. So he like started a distribution company in Canada yeah. and he was smart and was like, I'm going to hook up these kids like properly yeah. where another company has no like, Oh, Canada's just this other thing. We don't even need a team. You yeah. know what I mean? And so there'd be a lot of like the, the companies that got it 
really got good traction in Canada. Hell yeah, because a lot of amazing skateboarders have come out of Canada. Yeah, yeah. And and you have to support those those scenes, you know? Yep. And, like, DC was really... I actually owe a lot to them because of what they did early on in the magazine. They bought a lot of ads and, yeah. like, paid my salary. Yeah, know? man, I remember it. I was checking out. It was a fat magazine. Yeah, we were, there was a time where, like, we were the same thickness as, like, the early 2000 trans worlds. Like oh, yeah. 250 pages. And like, they would have it, like, at every Barnes & Noble, like, yep. even in my Yeah, little we had a good t- distribution deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what you were there for, like, three years? Like, yeah. what kind of happened? Why did you end up leaving her? So, I was... Exactly what you hear happen to people. You do the thing you love. You get a job doing that thing you love. And then that thing you love gets taken away because you're so busy doing the magazine. Oh, so you weren't even really shooting. I don't even get to go out and shoot anymore because I was the art director and, like, designer and everything. So, yeah. like, I was, like... And calling all the photographers and, and sending up articles and Damn, I was sending people on trips and I'm like, I want to go on that trip. Mother like, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was painful. Tokyo so, looks nice. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was just like, you know what? I, I got to get out of here. And so I actually talked to Mark Appleyard, who was living in California at that time. I'm like, yo, Mark, you think you could like get me an interview at like one of your sponsors? I want to just get out of here. Like, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm at the top of this and I can't. And I'm not killing it. You're not you progressing. I mean? yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I'm at the top. It's, it's, you know, I'm making an okay living, but I'm grinding, and I'm getting tired, and, like... Stagnant. Yeah. So, he set me up with an interview down there at Circa, which, at the time, was, like, the biggest thing. Was like, that, like... What was that video they put out? Video or... Video Radio had yeah. just come out when I started. Oh, damn. So, that was the fucking heyday. It was yeah. Like Jamie yeah. Thomas, Jamie Chad Thomas, Muska. Muska, Chris Cole, Colt what? Cannon, Mark Abeliard. Yeah. Like, the the team was insane yeah and walking into that was also crazy but i the, the way i got in was using my design stuff that i learned at sbc i went over there as like a senior designer not as a photographer oh you kind of pitch it like i can do this then. yeah yeah like i can get I can do photos here's like what i do but i can also do all your t-shirts your catalogs Smart. all that stuff and so they hired me on as senior designer and like one of the jobs they gave me there was to oversee catalog production. So I would go to like a big, massive photo studio and I would watch them burn about 50 K on studio photography. Oh, this product? Yeah. Per, per catalog on shoe shots. Wow. Yeah. This was, things were, money was flowing in the early two thousands. Yeah. And so I was sitting there watching all this stuff going like, I know how to do all of this. And I'm just here saying yes or no to the photos. Yeah. So I went back to Circa and I said, listen, for 50K, you can buy a Hasselblad with a digital back and some studio lights. Yeah. And I got you. Like, we'll do it. And that's one payout yeah. as opposed to every four months or whatever. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So we built a studio in, inside Four Star Distribution, which was Circa, um, C1 Denim, Foursquare Clothing, Genius Snowboards, Forum Snowboards. It was a massive company. Wow. So then I just started like heading up all their studio photography Okay. doing all that and back then the digital back was so crazy it had like action mode which was a single shot which was you like would use for one, people phase one or something yeah i think it was a phase one yeah so it had like an action mode where you could take a single shot which was pretty low maybe like 10 megs maybe yeah. and then no i had to even be lower than that for like 2003 2002 and then they had one that was like it would take 16 photos and stitch them yeah to make a high res so i was shooting all the product with the 16 and i get a lot of like blurry stuff and i'm like what is happening like tripping out on it and i realized that the studio was on the second floor of the office yeah during work hours people are walking around 
and it's actually shaking it just oh shit just but in those 16 photos because they weren't like it wasn't i guess i got some sandbags up there <laughs> dude i had to i had to just shoot everything at night oh i had wow. to wait for everyone to go home and then i would do all the so my hours got all crazy jesus yeah but i learned how to like work through the the 16 photo that's awesome man you just kind of like fucking figured it out like oh that's that's what i've always always done is like just jump into something and then figure it out that's what i realized like uh there's no point where you have it like you 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 don't make it you don't figure it out like every job is completely different especially within like commercial photography and it's like it's just a matter of being confident and being like yeah i can do that and then then you just figure it out yeah well photography is problem solving that's all it is yeah i had a job for a while where i was shooting for like a luxury lifestyle magazine it's called modern luxury yeah and they have regional mags all over the states and they like would have me handle san diego for a while and i loved it because it would just be like hey like quick call in the morning like two o'clock you got to be here and shoot so and so yeah i don't know what they look like i don't know what their space is so i just throw everything in my car show up and be like look around and be like okay this is what we got to do and i (laughs) I love it really helped me like be like on my toes with the photography and that's how I've applied to like lots of stuff. Just say you can do it and then figure it out. Fuck yeah, man. Um, so like, how do you get back to like shooting skateboarding out in the streets and traveling? Cause like you're shooting product, you're still, yeah. you're still in the office. How do you get out of that cage, man? So one of the moves I made, which was really smart, I think anyways, was <laughs> I was at Circa and I was doing catalog shoots with the whole team Yeah. and Colt Cannon, this pro for Circa yeah. was like, yo, I'm going to move from um, the Bay area down to San Diego to be closer to all my sponsors and stuff. And he was like rapping out with me and he was, he's such a funny dude. He was like this jockey skate guy, but he would come into the studio when I'm working and just hang out and like watch everything and like want to learn it all. And so I got him like assisting me on stuff. And Doesn't he shoot photos now? He does now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He works for like Pattaya. Oh like, shit. Yeah. The like food, the fruit yeah. stuff. And yeah. he like shoots all their socials and stuff. Interesting. So he would like come in all the time and hang out. And then like one day he's like, yo, like, why don't we just move in together and like, I can help you with shit. You can come out and shoot, shoot me skating. Yeah. And like, it's a whole power deal, you know? Yep. And then like everything that I get can go to wherever his sponsors and whatever they need. It was like, we just kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. So I moved in with him and then I just started shooting like crazy because he would be like every night, like, let's go, let's light something So you're up. kind of balancing your day job of like design yeah. shit and then go and shoot. Yep. Like, and yeah. then eventually Circa was like, yo, you, what, you should probably just skin Phillips was the circuit photographer oh, at yeah. the time. And he had just taken over as like the main uh, editor at Transworld. Trans World, yeah. So he left doing circuit stuff. So I stepped in and started doing all their skate stuff. And I just kind of made that more of a priority and they were cool with that. Damn. And then, I mean, then circuit kind of fell apart and like the ownership changed and like all of us got like notices not to come to work. Oh, really? That's yeah. It, it just was like, boom, like email, you're not coming in. Like, that's it. Because uh, they're, not, they're not around anymore, right? They they were for a little bit, then they went away, and I think they're fully gone now. Damn. Shoe industry is weird that people will, brands will stick around in some off market somewhere, and they still exist. Yeah, but I think they're fully gone. Yeah, you can't. It's it's Adidas and Nike, and they basically own the market. Like, and yeah, well, they have the the, the technology. The other, well, the other um, sales channels to cover. Yeah, if you're just a skate brand and you only rely on that, it's almost impossible. That's the one thing I was going to ask you is like, which is interesting to me. Like I'm not like in the skate industry like at all, but like in my mind, do you feel like there's more people skating now than ever before? But then like, it seems like harder for like prof- most professional skateboarders to make a living. Cause I remember when I was like early two thousands, like you said, like 
money was flowing. Like, what do you think is changing like the skate industry? Because I know like I know great skateboarders. My friends were like amazing, yep. and they're like struggling now, and I don't understand it because it seems like there should be more money. Well, there's there's um like market um saturation, well not saturation um dispersion. There's like too many little brands. Yeah. There's like thousands of board brands now. Yeah. So a board brand is like not even a thing that pays you anymore. Mm-hmm. Used to be that you rode for like one of the top ten board brands and you got paid well, but now kids almost don't care what the board like pro is. is. Yeah. They like the frog skateboards. They like the, the frog skateboards. They like Bianca Schneider, I mean, uh, 917. They like, yeah, they don't really care about who the pros are. They it's like the more brand. about, yeah, the lifestyle. The, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of those just like disrupting like, everything. Like fucking awesome. I know they're doing really well, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that's also like, I think that if you like FA, doesn't matter who they put on, you still are going to fuck with that brand. Like, cause they just, the whole brand has a feeling and yeah, they buy into it. So like, they're actually one of the ones that are like pushed through all that. You know what I mean? Because they're they're getting to be a fairly big brand, yeah. as opposed to one of the little brands that makes just enough to make boards and like have a couple people go on trips and stuff. Yeah. And a- then with with shoes, it's like now that there's not that many shoe companies, they can really dictate like the tier of like who's getting paid, and then it just like you know tears down like yeah down to like people that we think should be getting a shoe deal. Like, they just don't have it. They're like, oh, you don't have enough followers on Instagram. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, yes, we see a lot of people skateboarding, but it's just, it's a different industry now. Completely. Yeah, it's wild. It's just like a real mindfuck. Well, feel- like that, that skateboard brand that's like the biggest one is Revive or whatever. That's YouTube brand. Oh, yeah. He sells like, I just checked this out recently. He sells like, I think like $35 boards with grip yeah, and shit. Yeah. And just it's kind of. It's the worst. Yeah. Can't stand it, but... He's a smart business guy. Yeah. He, he figured out an, an, a market. Yeah. Like little kids that don't know any better. Boom. Massive market. Mom will buy you the board. Yeah. And, and you're good. And that's... Unfortunately, that's happening more and more. Yeah. It's interesting, man. So when you were like shooting for Circa and stuff, did you get to like travel and go on yeah, some tours yeah. and we stuff? Yeah, yeah. We did like a lot of trips. We did one um, full around the world like loop. Wow. It was like a month and a half like on planes. Where'd you guys go? It's like started in LA, flew to Frankfurt, um, did a trade show in Frankfurt. It was kind of winter, so it wasn't much street skating then. Mm-hmm. Then from Frankfurt, we went to um, Munich for another trade show. Then to Barcelona, got a lot of skating done in Barcelona. And then we went to um, Singapore, skated in Singapore. Then we went to um, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. And then we're like there for three weeks, then went to uh, New Zealand. Were you just like tripping out? This like, was this like... It was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because that was the very first trip where I had a digital camera. I bought a Nikon. Interesting. For that trip. Would you have like, like the D2H or something? I don't even, I don't even know if it was a D yeah. yet. It was like, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the one that could do sequences. Okay. That was, well, I do remember I bought it for sequences because that was a game changer. Yeah. Like not having to burn through, you know, bricks. I can remember buying bricks like it was nothing. Smart. You know, it was like... 30 rolls of film or something like for that one and like, trick. for a trick <laughs> yeah <nuts. laughs> and like the pressure that was on the skaters back then because you're sitting in there at the bottom of the stairs and the poor kid is trying his trick and every time he goes by there's another roll of film on the ground that's exposed and wasted and like you're just i could feel it that that tension for that poor guy because he's like you're barely making rent and i'm watching you burn like a 100 bucks right now yeah, like, dude. on a trick that i can't land yeah and now it's like you know those kids now don't even okay. know that pressure at all i feel like i mean there's really what the only thrasher magazine left now mm-hmm. like, and there's a ton of euro mags oh yeah yeah um yeah so i'm thinking like 
are there even that many skate photographers left? Like, like not as skate photographers. No, no. Because like early two thousand, that was for me. I don't know about you. Obviously, like older stuff's cool, but like early two thousands, like everyone was shooting Hasselblad, and it seemed like everyone was like pushing each other. It was like Scott Parmier, that dude, and like Atiba, and everyone seemed like that was like the heyday for me. (laughs) I gotta get you on that. Your last name's Gagne. Yeah. How come you don't say Palmier? Oh, is it Pommier? Pommier? It's Pommier. Oh, Pom- well, how did, what did I say? You said Pommier. Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> I was always, I, I heard you say it on another one before, and I was like, how does Alex Gagne get that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my French back. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Scott, actually, um, I hired him at SBC. Yeah. Yeah, just before I left, he, was, he did a year there with me. He's an incredible photographer. Yeah, he was, him and I, like, made a pact a long time ago. It was, it was called Never Settle. Because oh, really? we noticed a like, we would call like photographers, I'm not going to say names, and we'd be like, yeah, like this photo's like, okay, you know, and they'd be like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. And we were like, oh man, that like, he settled on like whatever he got. And like, yeah. we kind of made this pact and, and it, it actually is a curse because it's just drives me crazy to like, I have to obsess over every little detail in, in photography and get like, yeah, because you guys, mind. you guys, I think there's like two camps of like, there's definitely skate photographers that are like, they just, they just love skateboarding and that's it and that's great. And but then there's other people that like you guys who you have an appreciation for like the artistic side and not just yeah. not just skate photography, you look at a lot of different types of photography, so it's like a, a balance, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Scott and I both went down like super technical rabbit holes, which now I've unlearned. Like yeah. I'm trying to get away from that. Yeah. Cause we would seriously like get out every type of strobe and yeah, like, dudes are going nuts for a while. Oh, they have, we like, were going f- crazy. Five, I did, uh, Scott had Rangers, Ellen Crumb Rangers. Jody Morris had us. He would run with a seven B. Yeah. I, I had, I had two seven B's. That's fucking insane. I would hop fences with two seven B's and then little, uh, like SB's or whatever to yeah. fill and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I've literally done photos with two or three SB. I mean, sorry, two or three, uh, seven B packs. Yeah. My seven B pack caught on fire in my apartment apartment in toronto at one point jesus christ I was charging it oh. inside a tenba i'm always nervous with those fucking things i yeah. don't yeah yeah I, I went out to the bar i get a call from my roommate and she's like yo our apartment smells like um electrical fire Whoa. and she had had an apartment burn before so she was like you have to come home right now so i came back to the house and my 7b was just like cooked ten, like ten, melted 10 grand down the drain yeah and i went to pro photo sorry if pro photos ever sponsored this but <laughs> I, I went to pro photo my, my email is <laughs> <laughs> i went to pro photo uh in canada and was like yo like this thing self-combusted during charging so, like did you have it plugged in for nine hours <laughs> Dude, this should, that should never happen it's got like a trickle charger right? oh, like true. it just just goes and uh the the guy was just like well we can give you a, a discount like a, take the tax off on another one and I'm like, I've never bought pro, uh, pro photo since. Fuck. Yeah, they they burned their bridge with that one. That's brutal, man. Yeah, and with skateboarding, it's stupid yeah, to don't. have those, anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting seeing skate photography now. It's just like a lot different. Like even looking at your work now, it seems like it's very. If you do use lighting, it's, it might be one or two lights. And that's yeah, not yeah. Very well, light. I had like an epiphany. I was on a trip, um, a gravis trip in Australia, and I brought everything. Like at the time, I was kind of skipped over this, but. At the time, I was really into um, alien bees, like the big ones. The oh, those are great. Twelve hundreds or whatever. They're light and they're fucking yeah. Good. So I had three twelve hundreds that I would take skating, yeah. and they had the battery pack. Then you didn't like there was no. Oh, you had the? Did you have? Oh yeah. So it's like the big like yeah yeah yeah. You know, twenty pounds or whatever. So I had three of those, three heads, and I was in Australia like carrying that stuff around. And but I'll start with this part first. So I figured out how to do high speed sync 
way before yeah. anybody because there was this photographer david black who's like a sports photographer oh for yeah nikon. i know that guy he was yeah 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 so he had this thing where he would take nikon sbs and force the camera into like because with the nikon you can do a high speed sync thing yep and so i was looking at his website all the time because he was kind of like a strobist kind of dude like he would like yeah he'd shoot like dirt bikers and he'd do like yeah. a weird sequence. and he would explain like yeah and he would show photos of like his three packs he would put three sbs together yep. one on his camera and then another one over there with another three yep. and he shoots olympics and everything but he would really kind of break it down and i was like okay so could you not put one sb on your camera fool it into that mode and then use yep. big fuck off flashes that are slow duration out and so i started doing that and uh I actually entered a strobist contest. You remember that guy's? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. So I entered a strobist contest and I made a video, of maybe one of the first people to do like the full HD behind the scenes video. Yeah. And it's me using that system and people would like, um, like on YouTube question or whatever. I don't even think there was Instagram, then maybe Twitter yep. would be like, yo, why do you have like an SB on camera yeah. if you're shooting all this on cam- off camera yeah. flash stuff? Yeah, and I would lie and be like, oh, it's just for Phil. Like it's just a little <laughs> Phil, but really it's to trick it into yeah, high speed right. sync mode. Yeah. And I used to talk to Paul Buff. Oh, about RIP the legend, Paul yeah. Buff, man, the vagabond respect. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> the vagabond. Yeah. So Paul would like, we would go over flash durations and stuff like on his website and like nerding back and forth. And he would like taught me a lot about duration and the yeah. ramp up and all that. Yeah. So I got super nerdy. That's fucking awesome. And this is just before I go to Australia. I was like, figured all this stuff out. I even had one skate photographer send someone out like in disguise to film me setting up my stuff. Really? Yeah. Like I, I, I had these kids down from Canada and they all rode for this company that this one photographer worked for. And they came out with me skating and the one kid was like, yo, can I like, I'm filming a behind the scenes with these kids. Can I film? And I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. Set up all my gear, shooting photos, go home that night. And one of the kids like texts me and he's like, yo, I don't know if this is weird, but everyone's back at this dude's house watching you set up your equipment on a TV. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like it's getting that crazy. That's like, pretty funny. Yeah. You must, that must kind of make you feel good. I mean, sense. it was like, it was like, maybe I should just start sharing this because if it's getting that weird out there. Yeah. So fast forward in Australia, carrying all that gear around because I was like doing the high speed sync hack thing. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, are my photos any better because I have three super flashes and like, or do I just look like everyone's photos? Like yeah. Hasselblad with three flashes. Like started just all look the same. Yeah, that's the problem with skate mags. Like I didn't realize it until I started studying other types of photography that like everyone was kind of doing the same thing. Besides a few guys like Gaberman had his own yeah, look. Yeah, Gaberman's on a whole other level. Sturt had his own look. But yep. then a lot of guys, it was like three or four flashes, uh, e, e, Kodak uh, e, E100VS or, yep. or you were like a Pro-V100F. Pro, yeah, Pro-V100F. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what it's kind of... Pushed one stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot yeah. from the third stair to the bottom of yeah. the Hasselblad fish. Yep. F8 if you can get it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that that stuff all kind of got in my head, and I'm just like, we're all, like, trying to look the same. Yep. Like, what's, what is it? Why don't we just have one photographer, then, that does that mm-hmm. and goes on all the trips? Mm-hmm. And so I just start, like, I was like, okay, so what did I like growing up? I liked, like, old rock and roll photos, and they were just, like, moments, no flashes, just, you know, half the time not even properly like sharp or anything like and i started like looking for the the mistakes more and like shooting intentionally loose and like not giving it as much like oh my god i gotta like stand there and get the focus check and like yeah and try to just loosen up yeah. and have more fun with it yeah and then the skaters were more stoked because i'm just like 
yeah, whenever you're ready. Yeah. Instead of like, give me 45 minutes to set up all these flashes and do the ratio techs. And, all, like, yeah. and it just started getting fun again. That's and, awesome. Like, I fully just found my thing at that point. It was like, oh, this is like what I want to do. It's like new excitement. And plus digital cameras at that time started becoming, the ISO started getting good. Yeah. So you could like go into a really dark scene and like figure it out, you mm-hmm. know? Whereas before, like if you shot in New York downtown, you had to have flashes because it was like a light pit. Like there was just nothing down there. Yeah. You know, you're at, down on some like dirty, grimy ledge in the, there's no sun. Yeah. It used to be hard on film to pull that off. For sure. But then once I figured that stuff out, I had so much more fun. And then, then you can look for composition and you're like trying to find more cool photos, you know? Hell yeah. And then you ended up, uh, I think you worked for Gravis, the shoe company for yep. a while. How'd that come in the mix? Because uh, they had some amazing, the video they came out with was, was yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, I got to be there during all that. Yeah. So the way that worked was um, because I used to do a lot of work with flip skateboards. Yep. Um, cause I lived with Apple yard and, yep. and we, Mark just started bringing me around with Rowley and all that stuff. Um, Arto and I kind of became really good friends. Amazing photographer. Yeah. Dude, right. Watching his progression it's has been wild. insane. Like, yeah. like I used to like sit with him trying to figure stuff out. And then now that I, now he's like super, super guy. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So he, him and I would just like skate and shoot photos all the time. And, uh, he was like leaving his shoe sponsor and he i remember him like coming to me and going yo like i'm gonna ride for this thing called gravis and i'm like i know what gravis is dude they used to do their product knowledge meetings at my office in toronto yeah i know it's burton i know all this stuff about them they're like snowboard shoes and they're kooky as hell yep and he's like no no like trust me like and i didn't know mark oblo at the time who's like kind of running the whole thing and arto's like just trust me like it's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool like help me out with this like let's shoot photos and he was also jumping to alien workshop at the time oh yeah that is what made me go okay i'm with you why because alien is fucking you love it they were gods yeah so i was like if there's any way i can get 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 even close to the alien mix (laughs) i'm in yeah like i shot his welcome to and all that stuff and like that was what made me end up working for gravis was more that i was like yo if if there's an alien mix yeah i didn't know any of them at the time yeah and uh actually one of the first trips we did was to hawaii and i was like why are we going to hawaii there's like nothing to skate but there is i shouldn't say that yeah and uh dylan reader was on that trip and this was when he was kind of having all his pill issues and stuff so that's when you first met him yeah okay yeah like literally was like going to arto like yo what's this kid doesn't say anything doesn't skate he doesn't skate he's just kind of sitting in the corner like what's up and arto's like don't worry like it won't always be like that and like i was tripping on him because i was like this dude hates me yeah like i'm the photographer on the trip and he won't talk to me and then i found out that he was like in a pill coma basically yeah and uh we became really close i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the story that like broke the ice that was like really really devastating to me but um arto had just bought a house in hollywood with his gravis money and stuff like that and uh he had a housewarming party and this was before the bo- the pool was put in okay but there was the there's his pool is kind of famous because there's a grapefruit tree that yeah. came over it and you could like do airs and grab grapefruits yeah, and, stuff. Yeah. and i was like yo grapefruit tree that's sick like let's have vodka grapefruits at your party and i'll like <laughs> i'll be the bartender so like i'm like cutting up grapefruits and like squeezing them fresh fresh made you know vodka yeah. grapefruits and not paying attention to my intake as i'm making them for everybody else oh yeah <laughs> so like halfway through the night i'm like spinning and i'm like oh fuck like hey arto like i gotta crash out and he's like well there's like a spare bed upstairs in the hall but the upstairs of the whole house was like under construction yeah so (laughs) i go up and i pass out and i I don't know how long later but i like jump up like well i'm gonna i'm gonna puke 
Oh, yikes. So, like, I know his upstairs is under construction, so the bathroom is closed off, can't do it. I'm not going to make it downstairs for the downstairs bathroom like that. So I open the window. Oh, my God. I barf out the window, and as it's leaving my mouth, I see Dylan below smoking a cigarette, the most beautiful human being on the planet. You puked out of And it just, like, just like that slime Nickelodeon shit, just whoosh right over him. The coolest (laughs) human being on the planet. And I just like quickly closed the window and I'm like, oh fuck, oh fuck. Like this dude already hates me now. Like it's really over. And he like comes running in the house and I just hear him like, Arto, your fucking photographer just puked on me. (laughs) 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 That became a running, running gag as well as Arto, your fucking photographer. So I was like, Arto's fucking photographer. Arto's fucking photographer. (laughs) And then so Dylan comes up the stairs, like just fuming, like just shit dripping off. He had like really long hair at the time. And I just like look at him and I'm like, dude, just take the shot. Just, you got it. You earned it. Like just punch me. Just like have at it. And he just like stared at me and started laughing and walked away. Yeah. And then like the next day, like we became like instantly like best friends Damn. and it was like on from there. And he really like helped me push my like, cause it was with him that I like decided to ditch the flashes and kind of go a different way. Yeah. And he like was just the perfect storm of like the coolest looking skateboarder on the planet. And I'm shooting these like black and white, like super like, I don't know, more reportage was he like photos. Was he like pretty involved? Like, did he give you kind of like how he wanted to be shot? Like, he w- for anything portraits and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we did his um, Huff release photos in a like a loft in New York on the Bowery, and it was fully like concepted from a um, oh, what's the dude's name? I'm really spacing. Lead singer of Pink Floyd. Oh, early on. Is that Roger Waters? No, that's, no oh. it's. I'm, everyone's going to hate me that I'm blowing this right it's now. All right. But anyways, it was an album cover of that guy. Holy shit. I'm like, can't believe I can't remember his name right now. But anyways, oh, yeah. it was a famous album cover. And he's like, Dylan, Dylan's like, this is kind of like what I want it, the vibe to be. Like he would do things like that. He would bring me references. Interesting. And he really like vibed on, he loved the Rolling Stones. And I was like really into Annie Leibovitz during the Rolling Stones period and stuff. Yeah. So like anything he talked about i'm like i know exactly what you're talking about like mm-hmm. i know this photo you're talking about i know this vibe you're talking about yeah so we just like meshed super super easy on all that stuff and he just like trusted me to do that shit yeah that must be kind of fun because like as a skate photographer obviously you shoot like hundreds of different skaters but i'm sure every once in a while you kind of build a relationship with someone and it's kind of like it, you kind of get to work with them on yeah thing. i've always been more project based yeah. like I kind of hate the one and done thing. Like that skateboarding is a lot of that, you know, you shoot the photo of a guy on a handrail and that's it. Yeah. And I've always liked the like bigger message. Like what's this person's whole vibe. And if you can be a part of that, it's such a blessing. Yep. And so Dylan really like gave me so much to do that. And Arto too. Yeah. And Jeff Riley, like all these guys like really trust me to do the thing, you know? And it's, I'm really lucky to have those super big personalities okay, heavy hitters man yeah yeah <laughs> like uh, with jeff trusting me with like one of his most famous images yeah you, i was like, gonna you shot uh jeff rally the uh the shipping container shot yep. where it's like it's shipping dock where it's like 10 shipping containers high which must have been like it's only four four well, whatever <laughs> but look like a hundred it's like 60 feet right. high i think yeah it and fucking gnarly it's look i went up there like they had a scissor lift and i went up with jeff so do you guys have a permit for that yeah okay it doesn't look like it it looks very much like we just went rogue either way but there's no way you can get even into those spaces it's It's like it's customs yeah you're right so you like even when we were doing it cops showed up but we had permits wow i'm surprised they let you guys do that like yeah yeah. i couldn't i mean that's the power of vans oh yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) yeah they took care of it hey man but yeah i went up on the scissor lift with jeff 
and it was windy because it's on the ocean. Yeah. And I'm standing up there and I could barely get my, my balance. And I'm like, Jeff, are you sure about this? Did you went up there too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went up the day before with him. The day of, he didn't say one word to me. Actually, I take that back. He handed me his cell phone with 911 dialed in it and said... No pressure, Ryan. I mean, Jeff's... If I die. Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff's super good with like freaking you the fuck out. <laughs> so he hands me his cell phone with 911 ready to go. And this is before iPhones and stuff. It's like a Nokia or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, just in case. And that's the last thing he said to me. And then he like went up and just started in on it. What did he do it? First try or? He went across it first try because you have no choice. Damn. And I think within two tries he was rolling. And then he was like, how many do you need? And he like did a few more. Oh my God. Yeah. And like he was going to try. Like it looks sort of like a frontside flip in the photo because it's so windy. His board's like this all the time. So it's wobbling. Think you hit like a rock or like a piece of yeah, anything dirt, dirt or like yep. you're fucked. And like <laughs> what you can't see in the photo is on the other side of it's just one container landing. Yeah, that distance when you're going fast isn't much. Nah. And then there's three of his friends, maybe two of his friends, standing just to case. stop him. Yeah, yeah. But I had the feeling that that wouldn't have worked. I'd be nervous for the dudes yeah, to stand I, there. I run pretty much him. had the sense that he was. They were all gonna go. Yeah, because the full momentum. Because he literally would have to land his 180 and then go like. Like step off and, and run out. Otherwise, he couldn't roll for too long or it would be way too risky. Yeah. It, the whole thing was like, I was like sick to my stomach. Like, and the photo that got used, was a, I took that once and then I thought he was too small in it. Did you shoot it as a sequence? or nope. No. Oh, interesting. I figured I would have shot a sequence. This thing, this, uh, I hate sequences. I do too, but I, in a scenario <laughs> like that. No, I know you're, you're like, just get it. Just yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah. I, I hate sequences so yeah. much that if it's a trick that can be shown in a single then i'm gonna show it in a single no nah, it's way better but yeah so i was shooting i think it was a nikon d70 or something like that back then yep and uh i remember looking at the back and going oh he's so tiny in the frame but that's what you want but it, but on the camera it was literally like a uh, pinhead yeah, yeah, yeah and i'm like oh man no one's gonna even know what that is up there yep and those cameras were so small the resolution was so shit that i was like oh man i'm gonna move yeah and i shot like with 7200 and like way more compressed compressed yeah. everything it, and it was just not it didn't like, look right. it was the one he like he landed one for me when i shot the little tiny version and then he, i went to the other side and he landed another one that way and i'm like okay we got it and I went back and I was so scared that the first one, once I saw what the long lens looked like on a computer, I was like so bummed. Yeah. Because it compressed everything and it took all the dramatics out of it. Yeah. There, you could even see like some trees and stuff behind. Because you want to show scale. So yeah, scale like, is so much, it's like so important. And I shot it with like a, I think it was like a 17 to 35 or something like that. And I was probably in the like 21 zone. Damn. So he was like really tiny in there and it was all distorted and crazy, but it ended up working out no it came out great but my initial instinct was to make him bigger which was a mistake and I'm, I'm glad that it, it that that one photo worked out hell yeah man and um with dylan reader um rest in peace uh passed away what i think what two three years ago shit it would be uh it was three years ago yeah, this october yeah what kind of made that guy so special as a skater is being able that you got to spend so much time with him and shoot him because like that party came out was amazing yeah he, I, he seemed like he kind of this was on his own you know what thing. it was is um he was working on minefield yeah. for uh alien workshop and he was struggling with his addiction to, to uh pills and stuff yep and he was not happy with the part was amazing but to him it wasn't what he could do it was fucking crazy so <laughs> he was like i'm gonna um i'm gonna get clean and i'm gonna show everyone that that alien workshop part was not who i am my the top of my game yeah. and he came out swinging yeah and 
he really put everything into it. We traveled the world. We went all over the place to get everything for that. Yeah. And partnering with Greg Hunt was amazing because Greg's so good at what he does. Yep. Those two together, just super awesome. And it was just like one of those magical things. So you three guys were just kind of going on. Yeah. I mean, Dylan was out with Atiba and, and, you know, Acosta as well quite a bit, but like anything Gravis was, you know, me and Dylan and those guys. And like, there was a lot of sessions where like nothing happened, but I still have a lot of like amazing portraits and lifestyle shots that, you know, he just gave everything to what he was doing. Like he put it all in, you know? Yeah. And he never, never one of those dudes that got bummed that the camera was in his face all the time. Cause yep. like, I'd be kind of an obnoxious, you know, like, Oh, you're getting coffee. Like, like dude, everything. Chill, man. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like some people are just like, okay, that's enough. You know? But he like, he knew that like all of this is going to have a value one day. And, and I, mean, like, I, I never met him, but just from watching his interviews and like, he seemed like he, he was into art. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So he, I feel like he probably got what you're trying yeah, to do. Yeah. His, his house is full of photo books yeah. and like, he knew all the art and yeah, music, and he he loved like rock documentary stuff. Did so he have he like knew. an antique store? Or something? Yeah, he owns an antique store. He owned an antique store in yeah. New York. Yeah. His friends still own it. It's called The Hunt. Yeah, it's on Canal. Yeah, it's super awesome. Cool stuff. They do a lot of uh, like interior design for people too. Oh like, really? It's not just stuff in the store, but they like build out people's houses and stuff. That's They're cool. really rad. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. And I saw. I think you did a show um, earlier this summer, um, yep. which was uh, Never Been Without You which I believe was it all photos of Dylan pretty yep, much. It was all photos of Dylan all in Berlin. Cause I had been to Berlin only with Dylan, like a bunch of times yeah. we'd always gone together. He really loved Berlin. He loved the Bowie, um, Iggy pop connection. And we would like nerd out on music stuff there. And, and we skated, we spent like, we did like five, four or five trips there. Plus one of them was like a month that we, we like lived there Damn. and got like an apartment and just like lived there for a month and skated and hung out and like really got into the scene and, when uh, I had that that photo show possibility come up, I'm like, well, it's in Berlin. It's gonna be the first time I've ever been without him. So they kind of reached out to you. Like, yeah, yeah. So it was through that. Um, I have the the bag, the camera bag company. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I have the camera bag line that I did for this brand called Modular MDLR. Yeah. And they're German based, and they're in Frankfurt, and they're like, hey, we're gonna do a show in Frankfurt, and I'm like, that's cool, but I have to do one in Berlin. Okay. Because my connection to Germany is Berlin. That's awesome. So for me, for it to be genuine, I have to do it in Berlin. So they were kind enough that we did a show at Leica, Leica wow. Gallery Frankfurt, and they they made a super rad rad party and, and show there, and Leica was super awesome. Yeah. And then uh, from there, we went to Berlin and had it in a little, little gallery in Berlin that opened specifically for that. It wasn't supposed to open, and they opened the gallery before they were supposed to so we could have the show there like they were painting it the day of like sanding the floors and everything damn yeah so shout out to um circular gallery in berlin for putting that together that's awesome you were happy with how it came out and everything. oh yeah shows are nerve-wracking and especially when it's something with dylan because a lot of people think they like they know him or they have ownership over something yeah and i got a lot of messages like coming at me because it was in berlin and not like somewhere in the states where really people yeah, would say shit yeah, like that. Yeah, I had to block like a ton of people really? for like saying that I'm being selfish by having it in Berlin. What the fuck? It's 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 really strange that the people when there's someone's like almost celebrity status, you know, yeah, they take like an ownership over something like it's almost theirs, you know. There's so many fan accounts and stuff like that, and yeah, like, yeah, they, they get really like personal with, and it, it means something to them. And I respect that; it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but don't come at me like I'm wronging you. Yeah, you, you know don't even I mean? understand the backstory. Yeah, the like, backstory is that Dylan and I went there all the time. He loved the place. Yeah. 
I don't do Dylan shows anywhere else. I don't sell Dylan prints unless it's like money going to the, the hospital. Yep. So I wanted to do something really special that he would have liked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually having this conversation last week with my friend Chad Griffith, who's an amazing photographer in New York, and we were talking about, like, when you photograph someone and then they pass away, like, was there, like, any reservation about, like, doing this project? Or, like, was there, like, a goal in mind? Because it's, like, I don't know. Like, did you think about it like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everything I post of Dylan, I'm conscious of, like, what that means. Yeah. Like, I'm good friends with his mom. I'm good friends with his sister. For sure. And Mark Oblo, like one of Dylan's closest, like almost family. Yep. That we're all good friends and like I'm conscious of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's people that sell Dylan prints and that's their business. I, I sell a few on my site, but they're 100% goes to the um, City of Hope where Dylan was doing his cancer treatment. Wow. They, they like... Um, pioneered like a certain kind of treatment that like he actually cured his cancer. Yeah. He didn't actually die from the, the leukemia. He died from a uh, liver failure. Yes. So anything I do that's Dylan based, it has to, it can't be for profit. Mm. I don't, that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, man. I respect, I respect that. Yeah. It's a tricky situation. You should see it. Go on eBay sometime and put his name up. As people as like, it's st- terrible. What people just they- steal our photos and put them on shirts and they're like companies oh. out of like Hong Kong and stuff that you can't touch. Yeah, it's become like a like almost like it's a like a cultural James thing. Dean, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. The, like you know, taken too soon, celebrity style. They forget beautiful it. guy. He's an actual person. Yeah, or, it doesn't it matter to them. They just make a book. Weird it, man. It drives me crazy. You kind of lose hope in humanity. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it for sure. Like I, I started waging a war on like those eBay accounts. Yeah, and then just found out that they just take it down and they put a new one up right after and you just can't win yeah just block it out yeah and they're not even like half of them aren't my photos they're like my friends photos and stuff and i'm just like this is so disrespectful yeah. they have them on like pillows and shit like just trash and people are weird dude yep um i guess like the like with everything you've done with like skating and all the different stuff you shot um over the years like what's kind of got you excited about uh photography these days like anything are you still shooting a lot of skating now or like what i still shoot skating now for fun mostly yeah i have a clothing brand called fact okay that um we we have a couple kids on the team that like that's my outlet i don't have to make any money from shooting the photos i use them to promote the brand and stuff and it's super cool i get to go do fun stuff with them so that's my connection to the skate world and if a friend called me and wanted to go shoot a photo tomorrow of course hell yeah yeah and a lot of other stuff I do is just is commercial work. Mm-hmm. I need to get back on the personal project stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I used to seriously be like ahead of the game on so much marketing and like personal stuff and getting like, you know, mailers out and, and making videos about my work. And, and it's just, as you get busier, that stuff like falls yeah, and back. And there's other things in your life besides work. Yeah, that, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But like, I'm, I'm such a photo lover that I, I just, spent so much time looking at other people's work too. And I, I just don't put it. enough time in like making my own shit anymore. And I have to like get back, back to that. Yeah. What would you like to shoot? Like, is there anything you kind of want to like jump into? Like, honestly, I was talking to my friend who's like works over at IMG for music. And I was saying like, I want to just go on tour with a band. Hell yeah. Like that would be fun. Yeah. You know, I did that as a band, but now I'd love to go just help them by like, cool reportage photography that they don't have you know yeah yeah you know not like hype beastie looking shit either but like classic black and white like like a stuff you know why you still like shooting film sometimes oh yeah shoot film all the time still that's badass i'm definitely not the hashtag shoot film it is guy it is so funny to me because like i started shooting i shot film for like 15 years before i had a digital camera so for me it was just like 
yeah, it's shot film, but now, like now, like you say, it's like hashtag film. It's shot on film. Like, yeah, but it's a shit photo. Yeah, but it's shot on film. It's <laughs> I yeah. don't care. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just funny. You know, I just think about that stuff. Like when I was coming up, like the the photo heavyweights, the you know Mario Testinos, and like all these really gnarly photo people. You know, they didn't tell people that it was shot on film. It just was because it was. Yeah. And so why do you have to like use that as a crutch? Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, I do it occasionally to like inform, like I did some cross process stuff and yeah, I, yeah. I posted that it was cross process just so that I don't have to answer the question in a DM. How'd this look? Yeah. yeah like they'll, 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 they'll ask it on there and they'll see, Oh, cross process. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not the like, you know, because I shot this on film, I'm some special artist. Yeah. And I'm not hating on it. It's just funny to see No, it's, it's, it's just now. not my thing. Yeah. And it's funny. I was like looking at film prices to get to the oh, velvet. It's, for what, it's for, to get processed, scanned, it's like $40 a roll for like 120 or something. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I shot some photos of my, my daughter's uh, musician and I shot some photos for her for her like press release and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, let's shoot it all at 120. Yeah. And I went through like 10 rolls. And I like took it to the lab and it was like 350 bucks to get like scanned. And like, I like to get contact sheets still. Oh yeah. Just cause I like looking at them. Yeah, they're they're so cool. Like yeah. the guy was tripping. He's like, why do you want it scans and a contact? I'm like, cause I want that physical thing. Yeah. So I can scan that later and, and use they do that. Dark, darkroom contacts. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. not the digital ones. Yeah, they're yeah. proper. It's at the icon in LA. Great oh, yeah, lab. A, yeah. It's a dope one. Um, and he was like kind of tripping on that. I was like spend, spending extra money just to get this thing. But I'm like, no, but that the thing I can hold and I'll get that framed if you know. Yeah. But it was so expensive because I was like, oh man, it was like 300 bucks for the film. Yeah. Like to process. But then I also bought all that. Like it's just, I forgot about. Yeah. I mean, it was never that much. But. No, it was never was. Uh, but anyways, man, Ryan, um, real pleasure. I'm glad we got to connect. We've been going stoked. back and forth for, like, I think, like over a year now. We didn't so. have to do it over the phone. That's, no, I'm man. so glad about that. I try that. to get FaceTime as much as I can, <laughs> so I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me. And for people listening, like, where's the best place to check out your work? Um, IG, Ryan Allen, R-Y-A-N-A-L-L-A-N, or RyanAllen.com. Perfect. I'll link it, and thanks so much. Thank you. So there you have it. That was the Ryan Allen interview. Uh, just want to thank Ryan for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about everything he's done with him, photography and skateboarding. Like I said, I've been following Ryan's work for years, so definitely a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him. Uh, definitely go check out Ryan's website at ryanallen.com, as well as his Instagram at ryanallen, as well as how I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, he has some really amazing camera bags. He just uh, collaborated with the brand Modular. It's mdlr-brand.com. If you're in the market for a new uh, camera bag or a backpack, definitely go check them out. Um, really amazing quality. Um, uh, so yeah, I can't thank Ryan enough. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. So thanks so much for listening and take care.